Thanks for joining us this week on the show. You might not know that April is Stress Awareness Month. And since it is, and you know I'm passionate about stress, this week we're going to dig in to the impact of stress, how it's showing up in the workplace and our relationships, and how you can feel more empowered to move the needle so that you can feel less stressed. Thanks so much for joining us. Living in a stressful world doesn't mean you have to give up on happiness. Instead, you can shift your perspective of stress and discover how to live your life in flow. Welcome to Happified. I'm your host, Susie Vine. Join me for inspiration and interviews with folks who are shining their light in the world in the areas of positive mindset, health, and wellness. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome back. I am so happy to have you with me this week on the show. Welcome back to Happified, where I try to share with you all of the insights, the wisdom from the experience and the research that I have found and how we can live life with less stress and more flow. This week, the first week of April 2023, I am coming to you in the beginning of Stress Awareness Month. Stress Awareness Month actually started 31 years ago in 1992 by a colleague, actually a former guest of the show, Dr. Mort Orman. And so I will have a link to his website and other resources in the show notes so you can call back and dig a little more deeply if you would like to in some of the statistics that I'm going to be sharing with you, some of the tools, resources, ideas that I'm going to be sharing with you. And if you would like to leave a comment, your takeaway, your personal experience or questions you would like me to take a look at as we continue through April Stress Awareness Month, I invite you to join me over on happifiedlife.com, where all of that information and the opportunity to comment is available. And you've probably heard me, if you're familiar with the show, explain why I'm passionate about helping people feel less stressed. Or perhaps you've heard parts of my story along the way. Perhaps you know that in my work with senior clients, clients in their 80s and 90s, I saw how a chronic lifestyle, the choices that we make when we're still feeling fine, add up to impact our health in the end of our years and often compromise our independence because our health just isn't good enough to stay where we want to live in our own homes, to remain truly independent in where we are and what we choose to be doing. So I also, as the daughter of a nurse, my mother was a labor and delivery nurse for 40 years, primarily working the night shift. I have seen from a couple of those, and as we now see very strong indicators of chronic stress, night shift work, and first-line service providers, as we've all become aware over the last few years. Both are very demanding in their unique ways, and both contribute to chronically stressful lifestyles. So myself, as a member of Generation X, if you don't know if you're one of us, you're probably between the age of 40 to 55, we know as the generation that grew up, many of us were latchkey kids, many of us were independent, younger than our preceding and following generations, because many of us had working parents, both parents working outside of the home. 
We didn't have the internet to babysit us. We were kind of free range kids. And we are kind of known for sitting back for being maybe a little more apathetic for feigning disinterest. But I think we're all going to be shaking our tiny fists as we age, as we start to feel the impact of illness, of chronic disease, and say, you're not going to tell us what to do. And so I think the best way to head that off, to have the life that we desire, that we would design for ourselves now and long into the future, is to recognize that stress is the common denominator of most disease. I've heard it said that 85% of disease can be tracked back to the influence of stress in different capacities. And the name of my business, if you visit my website, you'll see 3x less stress, because I believe it's important to address stress on the physical, the emotional, and the environmental levels. Many times these little underlying stressors, these sneaky stressors, as I call them, they don't feel like much in and of themselves, but we tend to pack them on and power through. And you may have heard of the analogy of a stress bucket where perhaps not very clean indoor air quality can contribute to it. We know that many of our children, more children than ever before, are experiencing asthma. That's because of many of the cleaning products and home products that we have in our very tightly sealed, tightly constructed homes these days. So environmental aspects, physical health, sitting at a desk all day and not being able to get up and move around, emotional stress, the stress we pick up at work, the stress that comes from or lands in and impacts our relationships, causing another and unique type of stress. The stress of gender, the stress of race, the stress of all of these other influences that impact us emotionally. These little stressors from whatever aspect they are arriving can contribute to filling up that stress bucket so that when a large stressor, when something happens like an injury, an emotional loss, perhaps a death in the family, the loss of a job, a move, any of these big changes that would naturally cause a reasonable amount of stress, when these occur, that spills the bucket. We don't have anything left to draw on, to call up any resilience, to meet the demands that we need to. And so often that leads us to experience pain, injury, illness, even growing into chronic disease like cardiovascular disease, experiencing stroke, certain types of cancer are being tracked back to influences of stress. So why do we need a month of drawing awareness to stress? You know, many of us think that it is what has driven us to success, right? Sometimes perhaps working up to a deadline, that finish line, that dictate of when we must turn out some good work drives us to completion. Without some stress, without some boundaries, without some inspiration to get things done, we might not, right? There are good stressors as well as there are bad stressors. There are good ways that we handle our stress as well as there are detrimental ways that we handle our stress. They're all very different. So please don't feel like I'm saying all stress is bad. We can use stress to our advantage and in all things moderation. We can't only be fueling ourselves, pushing ourselves to success, 
pushing ourselves to reach our goals by drawing from that gas tank, by fueling ourselves from stress with unreasonable deadlines, unreasonable expectations, unfair comparison with ourselves and others. These are the things that wear us down over time. So how do we find that balance? First, we need to recognize how stress is adding up to impact us personally and as a society. And so I've called up a number of statistics. I'm going to scan through my list here and share what stands out. And I will share more of these in the show notes. These are collected over the last few years, 2021, 22. As I find more current research, I will share that. And these statistics have been shared by the American Psychological Association. So common causes of stress you might not be surprised to find out, even though these were collected last year, I would still venture that most of these are at the top of our list. The rise in prices of everyday items due to inflation, we see it reflected in everything from gas, our utility bills, grocery costs. 87% of people cited that as a primary cause of stress. Global uncertainty, certainly the challenges going on in Russia and the Ukraine around the world. 81% of people claim stress arising from global uncertainty, living conditions, the political climate, mass shootings, a significant source of stress. These are all common themes. Many people feel like we need to be tuned in to the news. We need to be informed citizens. And we certainly do in order to be engaged and involved and help to create a better outcome. However, Watching the news nonstop has been proven, well, just watching the news at all for a few minutes has been proven to negatively prime your brain. So what that means is after we watch news with negative stories, stories that make us feel overwhelmed or scared or concerned, this negative priming in our brain changes our emotions for up to eight hours afterward. We tend to view other stories, other situations from that position of fear, concern, and worry. We feel more negative. We have been negatively primed to view other information and instances because of negative news. So in contrast to that, when we choose to also to counter that news, which we as informed citizens, we need to be aware to a degree of what is going on in the world around us. And we can then choose to also consume more positive information, positive news, things that are happening that are going well in the world, evidence that we're not all going to hell in a handbasket, right? And this has also been demonstrated. You hear at the top of almost every one of my episodes, and since I'm talking about it now, I will spare you the 60-second blurb on positive prime because I feel it's one of the most effective and efficient ways to do exactly what I'm talking about, to positively prime your mind, to change that perspective from everything that is wrong with the world to everything that is right with the world so that you can start to see more evidence to that fact, right? We need to change our perspective. And I'll talk more about that as I get into ways that we can handle and move through stress more healthily. So I'm a big fan of positive priming. And while I won't say we should avoid all news altogether, I'm very selective about when I consume my news. I don't 
<clears throat> watch news first thing in the morning. And I don't watch news the very last thing at the end of the day, certainly not within a few hours of bedtime. I might watch it as I'm preparing dinner, as I'm sitting down, as I'm having conversations with my husband, but I'm very selective about when and how much news I listen to. And so therefore I'm also more selective about the sources so that I feel I can get comprehensive news and not kind of the laundry list of all of the negative stories that there are that are fit to print. So in addition to some of these hot topics that cause us stress, as you can imagine, as I'm sure you can relate yourself, work is a common cause and location of stress. Workplace stressors are some of the most impactful. And in fact, I've shared many times with corporate teams my short presentation, how we can break free of burnout to help put burnout in context. And traditionally, burnout refers specifically to the type of stress and kind of meeting the end of our endurance and limitations from workplace exposures. However, there is emotional burnout as well. And I will share a link to a conversation that I had with Amelia Nagoski, one of a phenomenal um, pair of sisters who wrote the book Burnout, Completing the Stress Cycle, which looks specifically to the impact of burnout in women, in the ways in which emotionally we push ourselves to the brink and how we can recover ourselves. So in the workplace, we see employees are 41% less productive, 33% less engaged. This is when they are measuring themselves as stressed. 14% increase in absenteeism. If you're not familiar with that, absenteeism isn't when you call in sick to work, but when you show up to work and you're not performing to your regular standards. You're surfing the web, you're distracted, you're not feeling well because of the impact of stress in your body. And absenteeism is definitely on the rise. So certainly when we're feeling stressed, we see that going up. And in the remote workplace environment, another thing that I love to share in this conversation about burnout is that this remote means of conversation, living life in a Zoom room, adds to the impact on issues in communication, in communication breakdowns between team members, between supervisors and employees, people feeling unheard, some people taking the majority of the airtime and others not having the ability to express themselves. All of that adds up to feeling more stress, causing and feeling more stress in the workplace. Depression and anxiety cost the global economy approximately $1 trillion in lost productivity. An estimated 1 million workers are absent every day because of stress. And this is, you know, in opposition to absenteeism where we're showing up, but not really showing up. This is actually the people who are not present in the workplace because of stress, because of the impact on our health. Over five hours of office work are lost weekly to employees thinking about their stressors. Because even when we step away from whatever might be causing us stress in our personal life, in our professional life, when we try to sit down and, and get some work done, our brain is going to go back to the things that, that are stressing us out. That's one of the ways in which our brain is designed to manage stress. Biologically, we ruminate on stress because we are trying to stop repeating the pattern. We're trying to learn lessons. We're trying to move away from it. And 
when in our current lifestyle, we have to keep coming back to those same sources of stress, it then makes sense that we tend to ruminate over stress. We have trouble putting that down and thinking about something else, focusing and being present with something else. Over five hours of office work. So we could all easily go to a four-day work week if we could just get rid of some of that stolen attention that stress is claiming from us. And as I already mentioned, these ineffective communications in work stress increase the frustration to the point at which workers want to quit. So many people are frustrated with their jobs. 63% of U.S. workers are ready to quit their jobs to avoid work-related stress. And just to show you how ubiquitous stress is, 94% of workers report feeling stress at work. Now, we're kind of putting a blanket clause on that. How stressed are they feeling? 94% feel stressed. Again, there are good stressors that move us towards goals and completion and success. And there are ways in which stress impacts us badly. And so what we are trying to find is a way to moderate the influence of stress in our lives so that we can learn from it. It can be beneficial and we can recognize that we are not ruled by stress. It is not an overwhelming challenge that will break us down. We can find ways to step up to it, to meet it, to manage it so that it does not need to overwhelm us. The trick is to look for those opportunities so that we can come back into balance because biologically our bodies are designed to respond to stress. That lion in the bush, you know, that we all hear about in the stories it inspires when we see it. Our blood circulation changes. The circulation shifts to the major muscle group. So we have the energy to run away. That's also why cortisol dumps glucose into our bloodstream. So we have that fast energy and we can run away from the lion hiding in the bush. What happens when we're sitting at a desk, we can't run and transmute those hormones of stress then our circulation has changed. We have limited digestion because the circulation has gone to the muscles, which are stiff and sitting still. We're not metabolizing the way that we could be. The blood sugar that has spiked because of stress, then the insulin is released to moderate the blood sugar because we haven't used it in any physical activity. When we keep releasing insulin chronically over time, we become insulin resistant. So stress is a major contributor to type 2 diabetes. It's not just what we eat. It's not just how we move. It's how we meet the stress that shows up every day in our lives. We have to start seeing the interconnectedness of things and recognizing that we can be greater than our biology. We can take a walk before we have lunch at work or after we take lunch at work. We can get up and move around the office. We can, you know, perhaps have a treadmill desk or one of those little pedal cycle attachments under your desk. So you can just move your legs. You can balance your blood sugar. You can start to relieve some of that energy and bring your mind back to focus because you've been able to move yourself out of that sympathetic stress, that fight, flight, or freeze stress response. One more statistic of note that I think is important to recognize is 70% of U.S. workers say their workplace stress has a negative impact on their personal relationships. And this is something that is near and dear to my heart. I hate to see people who think that stress is a part and parcel of work 
work is just a four-letter word. It's just what they are supposed to expect. And all of that stress that comes from the workplace has to go somewhere. That emotional frustration, that fatigue, and what I see it influence is their personal relationships with their loved one, with their children, with their families, with their close personal friends. People start to withdraw. They start to have more difficult communications with the people that they love the best. Nearly 80% of people recognize that stress is influencing the relationships. What about the people who are not yet aware to that influence? So I think that that number is even higher than the 76% of workers who report that workplace stress is affecting their personal relationships. So how do we handle it? The trick is the ways that we're handling stress are often contributing to the impact of stress in our lives. 30% of adults in the U.S. eat comfort food more than usual when faced with a challenging or stressful event. This is pretty simple. Again, the body biologically is designed to recognize when we are stressed, we need fast energy. When we are stressed, we crave sugar. It's our body trying to protect itself, to preserve itself, to be able to keep running from the tiger in the bush after that cortisol has caused the blood sugar spike. When that first reserve is used up, we need something else to draw from. So stress causes us to crave sugar, recognizing that it's not a weakness in you yourself, but it's the situation that your body is in can be more empowering. You can recognize, you can prepare yourself, avoid having sugary snacks available, have something else, something crunchy to snack on that's healthier choice, have something that is high in protein or fat or fiber rather than sugar to modulate that sugar spike. I'm a big fan of the glucose goddess. I'm Jessie Inshaspey. I hope to have her on the show. She has wonderful insights in how to eat so that you don't have to deny yourself sugar, but you eat in a way in which we moderate those blood sugar spikes and we get off of that roller coaster. This is something that I find very interesting. Coping mechanisms in our younger generation. So below the Generation X, we have the Millennials and then Generation Z. And now these are very strong members of our workforces. 44% of Gen Z and 40% of Millennials cope with stress by sleeping in. 14% of Gen Z and 20% of Millennials report using exercise to cope with stress. Now, certainly as a population, Americans are definitely sleep deprived and we need to have better sleep quality and hygiene consistency. I'm not saying you should short yourselves on sleep, but what I am saying, as I mentioned earlier, is that exercise is a powerful way to counteract the physical response of stress. And so if more of us look to exercise as a way to combat stress, we'll come back to balance more easily and with less side effect or impact of some of these other coping mechanisms. One other statistic that I find painful to recognize as we're becoming more aware of mental health problems and people are becoming more willing to reach out and receive help, we are still seeing a gap in where that help is available. Less than 25% of those with depression worldwide have access to mental health treatments. Here in the US, programs like 
BetterHelp and online portals where people can connect with practitioners are very supportive. If you are in a organized workplace, your benefits provider might have an employee assistance program. I always recommend employees start looking at what resources are available for free. And they certainly have a vested interest in addressing stress because of, as we already mentioned, that impact of stress in our workplace in our economy. So corporations, managers are recognizing that we need to see and address stress in the workplace. So start with what's available to you, start with what is free, and please recognize too that people like myself as a stress transformation coach have the tools, have the practices, have the perspective to help you one-on-one. If you want someone who's invested in you and your journey and your process to recovering your health, reclaiming your vitality, working with someone like myself is a great way to get started because you have your own cheerleader, you have some structure, you have some perspective so that when something isn't working, even a small shift might bring about a big transformation. So on my website, happifiedlife.com, in the top right corner, you'll always see that book a call button. And that is because I keep space available in my calendar as best I can to meet with people, to answer your questions, a short 30 minute phone call. And so take a look at that if that is something that calls to you. And if space is not available in my calendar, because those do fill up, please feel free to reach out to contact me. I'd love to connect with you and offer you some resources. So what's important to understand, you know, beyond just the impact of stress, but also to get perspective, right? Sometimes, a lot of the time, a lot of the time, what I see people really focusing on, what causes most of the stress that we feel our experiences, our situations, our stressors that we don't have any control over. As we mentioned earlier, the war that continues in Russia and Ukraine, uh, the situation with inflation in our country, these are situations that we don't have any control over. There are aspects of which we can have control. We might participate in a charitable effort to support victims of the war. We might participate in a local food bank to feel like we're contributing to food security because so many people struggle to have even that basic need met. But when we put all of our attention on everything that is outside of our control, it's easy to feel hopeless and overwhelmed, like we can't have any impact on the world that's happening around us. We feel like life is happening to us. And so recognizing the difference between the things that we don't have the power to change and the things that we can is a huge first step. Even if the things that you feel like you have the power to change are small, start doing those small things and let yourself start to take some comfort, some solace in that. Try to avoid ruminating what is beyond your control. Avoid letting that anxiety build because as our brain gets on that mental track, it's easy for those worries to build up. This is a wonderful place where I think the Bach flower essences are such a beautiful support because they can start to bring us out of some of that mental loop, some of that overwhelm, hopelessness, and start to shine a little bit of light on the areas in which we do have more autonomy and control. 
I like to encourage you, again, easier said than done, to focus your mind on something else. Perhaps that is something that you have in your control to change. Perhaps it's just something that is a peaceful place, is a peaceful experience, is an experience that has brought you happiness, a relationship that brings you comfort. Learn to start bringing your mind within your control, shifting your attention away from the things that bring you overwhelm and stress. And keep coming back to the little things you can do, no matter how small. Taking that five-minute walk after lunch has a tremendous impact on your physical and your emotional outlook, can even boost your focus for the afternoon. So think about the little things you can do to start moving the needle for yourself. Find some ways to be proactive. One way might be to work on a vision board, to really create a vision for your healthiest, happiest, most fulfilled life. Start to spend more time ruminating, if you will, on those images. Spend time meditating or listening to audio or video that inspire you to come to that mental state. Focus on your healthy living, your wellness habits, your personal growth, and start to set small and realistic goals so you have something to work on and follow. Again, moving you out of that constant attention, that exhausting focus on what is stressing us out. It's hard to retrain the brain, but this is part of that neural plasticity, that rewiring. We can change our focus and over time, our brain becomes more used to, it becomes more appreciative of what we want. It, it understands where we want that focus to be. If you're a worrier, one of my favorite practices is trying balanced thinking. So and you might have heard me on the show say before that my husband tends to be a bit of a ruminator. So he might consider all the worst case scenarios, all the things that could go wrong in a situation. And so as a guest on my show, Joe Bakhmutsky even gives a great visual if you want, if you're a visual person. So consider all of the worst case scenario, everything that could possibly go wrong. Go ahead and make that list in your mind and then make a line right out into the middle of the field of your vision all the worst case scenarios over to one side and start listing the best case scenarios, the best possible outcomes on the right. Start to make that list, hold yourself to it, come up with some things and start to round out that list. After you've created a more balanced list of worst possible, best possible outcomes, think about what is most likely, what is most reasonable, what is in the middle of these outcomes. This is most likely what you are going to experience and give yourself this opportunity to bring some logic to that game of rumination that so many of us can get caught up in. So some healthy pointers, you know, I have to share some tips along the way. And again, I've shared a lot of information. I hope you're not feeling overwhelmed by this episode, but if you take away one thing that inspires you to take action, one little thing within your control that you can start to shift the needle, then you're moving in the right direction. And you can come back to this episode and find some more inspiration, see what else jumps out at you at different point in time. But we need healthy ways to cope for our stress. As we discovered, as many of us heard and even experienced, myself included, during the pandemic, many of us found ways to numb out to stress. Maybe that's 
turning on the Netflix, binge watching television. Maybe that's alcohol, other drugs that are becoming more available. Ways in which we take the edge off because the stress is too much. It's too much to worry that much. It's too much to be that engaged. But at the other end of the spectrum, when you're numbing out, you might be easing that stress, anxiety, depression at one end of the spectrum, but you're also tempering your potential for happiness and joy and connection at the other end of the spectrum. You can't selectively numb out without having some of that other effect. So understand the choices that you're making, become more aware. And I'm not saying you have to give up all of those habits cold turkey. I'm a big fan of giving yourself parameters, reasonable expectations. Mel Robbins has a great one for this and setting goals. Give yourself a qualification. So say for five out of seven nights of the week, I won't engage in that habit until you feel comfortable enough to go seven nights out of seven, to go three weeks out of four. I won't engage in that habit and start to build those muscles, build your confidence along the way as we start to reclaim control over our habits. So taking care of yourself, as we start to remove some of those detrimental habits, we can start to bring in more healthier habits. Look for ways to bring in fresh food. Look for ways to move your body outside as much as possible. We're finally coming back to spring. It's crazy, crazy spring that we have had. But try to get some regular exercise, get consistent sleep. Try to do that media detox at the end of the day so that your mind has an opportunity to wind down, to find peace before you're hoping to slip off into sleep. And give yourself a little time out when you feel stressed. Dr. Brian Robinson was a professor at North Carolina at Charlotte and has written a number of books and contributed to many news outlets about managing stress and our patterns of overwork as a society. And he's a big advocate of micro breaks, or he calls them micro chillers. Look for ways you can put five minutes in your schedule to get up and walk around or simply find a place to sit and do nothing. Let your brain pause and maybe not even at your desk. It's kind of hard to avoid doing anything when you're sitting at your computer screen for five minutes. Get up, move around, take a break. Take those micro breaks to clear the slate, to clear your cache so that you can come back refreshed and you'll have more focus and work more efficiently afterward. And do be sure to connect, look for opportunities to connect with coworkers when possible. If you can do that without ruminating on the struggles in the workplace, but offer support to each other, practice being a good listener, receive and give support from others and in your personal relationships, look for ways to put these back into your schedule. This is something that I have to come back to time and again as well. It's easy for me to put workplace meetings and clients on my schedule and it fills right up because it's kind of like a tile mosaic. They they fit in, in in crazy manner sometimes, but I need to do better at scheduling my exercise, scheduling a quieter start to my morning, scheduling time with the people who I love and who light me up, my weekly walks with friends, time out with friends after work to decompress and wind down, other opportunities to connect, to feel heard, to offer support. And remember that we get when we give. By finding ways in which we can support others, we feel beneficial, we feel supportive, we feel like we have more to offer, but we also feel 
received and appreciated. And that goes so long to helping us feel more positive throughout everything that we meet through the course of the day and the week and the months. So I'd love to know, is there anything that you wanted to hear in this conversation? We still have a few weeks left of April, and I'd like to come back to this topic of stress awareness this month. Obviously, so much of my show is devoted to this. So if there's a question I can answer, I might point you to an existing episode, or we will be sure to come back and revisit this in the weeks ahead. Let me know if you have tried some of these and if they have worked for you or if they haven't worked for you. Let me know if you already know all of this. I've heard from people in my audiences before. You're not telling me anything I haven't heard. But the trick is, what will it take for you to apply this? What does it take for you to recognize that you deserve to feel happier, that you deserve to feel more peace, that you deserve to feel more centered, more nourished, that you don't have to feel so exhausted or overwhelmed, bordering on burnout or struggling with burnout itself, if that's the case? When do you get to put your own needs first? And when are you going to treat yourself as well as you would treat your best friend? I hope you think on that. I'd love to hear your takeaways. Please reach out to me. If you're catching the video on YouTube or if you're catching up with the episode, you can always share comments at happifiedlife.com or join the conversation over in the Facebook group, Live With Less Stress. And until we get together again next time, I hope that you will take good care of yourself. Thanks for joining us today. To learn more about living life with less stress and more flow, visit happifiedlife.com. Subscribe on your favorite player to catch the next episode as soon as it's out. Sharing really is caring, so please rate and review the show while you're there. And if you know someone else who would love it, please pass it along. Until next time, my friends, keep on shining.